The great need of our nation is a spiritual awakening. We need God. At the darkest moments in history, the Lord has brought the greatest spiritual breakthroughs. This is the time for sincere believers to get serious about prayer. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Ezra now with Scott Pauley as we discover the principles of revival praying. There is a difference between praying for revival and revival praying. Let me repeat that. There is a difference between praying for revival and revival praying. You see, you could pray for revival all of your life and never experience it. You could ask over and over again, Oh God, revive us and never see revival. Uh, but revival praying, now that's something different entirely. Revival praying is when our prayers get connected to God's purpose. In other words, it's not us convincing God to come around to our way of thinking. It's us coming around to God's way of thinking. Someone said it this way, Real prayer is not us getting our will done in heaven. It's getting God's will done on earth. You don't experience revival simply because you ask for it. Revival comes when our prayers become aligned with God's Word. We turn our attention today in this subject of revival praying to Ezra chapter 9. Now we've learned already in the little book of Ezra that they started by building the altar, Ezra chapter 3. And then we learned in Ezra chapter 7 that Ezra, the man of God, began to prepare his own heart to seek the Lord. That's where it has to start. It has to start with some individual. And when you come to Ezra chapter number 9, this is the moment of the spiritual breakthrough. There is always a moment of spiritual breakthrough. Well, listen to the words in Ezra 9 verse 1. Now when these things were done, the princes came to me saying, The people of Israel and the priest and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands doing according to their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers hath been chief in this trespass. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down astonished. You can tell a lot about a man by how he responds to bad news. We're living in a world of bad news. Are you sick of hearing bad news? Well, maybe when we hear all this bad news, it needs to drive us to our knees. Maybe instead of talking so much about the darkness around us, we need to fall on our faces and start talking to God in prayer. You see, real revival praying always begins with brokenness. In Ezra chapter 9, we come today to the great truth of confession. Remember I said to you that revival comes when our prayers line up with, with God's purpose, with what God has already said. That's right. You see, you don't have to convince God to do what God already wants to do. Do you really think you have to convince God to send a spiritual awakening? The Lord wants it more for us than we want it for ourselves. No, instead of us thinking we're waiting on God, could it be God's waiting on us to get in step with Him? to line up our prayers with His eternal purpose, to simply agree with God. That's what confession is all about. And in Ezra chapter 9, Ezra comes face to face with the truth. The truth about sin, 
all around him, the truth about his own nation, and it was that truth and his acknowledgement and agreement of it that began the spiritual revival in the nation of Israel. And let me talk to you first of all about why confession is so beneficial. Do you know why it's beneficial? Because it helps us see ourselves like God sees us. Did you hear the last word we read in Ezra 9 verse 3? The Bible said he was astonished. That's an old word for astonished. You know, we've lost our blush today, haven't we? We've lost our brokenness. We are rarely even astonished by what we see and what we hear. Oh, but we need that brokenness again. It's repeated again in verse 4. Then were assembled unto me everyone that trembled at the words of the God of Israel. Oh, that's quite a statement. Are you, are you trembling at God's word today? Because of the transgression of those that had been carried away, and I sat astonished until the evening sacrifice. So not once but twice he uses this word. He's astonished. He's utterly astonished at the condition of his nation. This is why confession is so beneficial because it humbles us. It brings us low. It's only as we get low that we begin to see God high and lifted up. Listen to the words of verse 5. And at the evening sacrifice, I arose up from my heaviness, and having rent my garment and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to thee, my God. When was the last time you heard somebody pray like that? Uh, here's a better question. When was the last time you prayed like that? Did you see his posture? He's on his knees. He's humbled. Did you see his first word? Oh, that's a heart word. Now, that's more of a groan than a word. In other words, God is getting him to the place where he can really get his prayers answered. The old timers used to talk about getting on praying ground. Can I tell you how to get on praying ground? Always begin with confession. Confession is beneficial. Now, let me talk to you secondly. Not only about why it is beneficial, but where confession begins. Did you know that confession begins not with what you have to say, but with what God has already said? When Ezra begins to pray, do you know what he really does? He just basically rehearses what God has already said about the nation. He says, Oh my God, Ezra 9 verse 6, Oh my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift up my face to them, my God, for our iniquities are increased over our head. And our trespass has grown up unto the heavens. He uses two distinct words, and they're both God's words, iniquities and trespass. You see, you wouldn't even know those words if it wasn't for Scripture, because those are divine words, iniquities. That literally means crookedness. Trespass, that means to go beyond the line, to cross God's line. And Ezra said, Lord, I agree with you. Everything you have said is exactly right, Lord, our hearts are crooked. We've crossed your line. We've sinned against you. It begins with seeing yourself like God sees you and then saying about your sin what God says about it. You see, confession removes all excuses. It, it, stops, it stops blaming it on somebody else or saying it's not too bad. No, confession just calls it exactly what God calls it. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a beautiful promise? But what does that word confess mean? I used to think it means you, you plead and cry and beg, but it doesn't. The word confess literally means to say the same thing. Oh, this is powerful. When you say the same thing about your sin God says about it, God says, that's good enough for me. You're forgiven and you're cleansed. Isn't that simple and yet profound? God says, would you just agree with me? Would you call it what I call it? Would you say what I've already said? 
That's why the Word of God is so instructive for us. God's Word is our prayer book. And you can, you can only be sure you're praying in the will of God when you're praying in the Word of God. What does God say about you? Discover that and then say, Lord, you're right and I'm wrong. When you do that and you begin to confess, you begin to see God work. So first we see why confession is beneficial and then we see where confession begins. But thirdly, let me leave you with a great encouraging note. Let me show you what confession brings. Do you know what it brings? It brings forgiveness and cleansing and a new start. And we're going to read and study the rest of the passage. I hope you'll read ahead. I'd like for you to get ahead of me. I really would. Read the rest of Ezra 9. Read Ezra chapter number 10. And do you know why I want you to do that? Because I want you to see what the old radio commentator Paul Harvey used to call the rest of the story. Do you know what comes? Worship, praise, joy, gladness. All of that is the fruit that begins with the root of confession. R.A. Torrey said, There's every reason why if a revival should come in any country at this time, it should be more widespread in its extent than any revival of history. Do you believe that? Do you believe God could send a revival right now that could touch the world? Well, it must begin somewhere. It must begin with me and with you. And it must begin with confession. We may be standing on the verge of a revival in our generation. It is time for God's people to pray. The full-length book, Revival Praying by Scott Pauley, is available in a hardback edition, in digital format through Kindle or iBooks, and has been recently released in an audiobook format. You may also be interested in the five-week Bible study companion with additional prayer resources for further study. Please visit RevivalPraying.com to access all of the complete resources for this series. That's RevivalPraying.com. God bless you as you study and pray. Thank you.